0: Fucks in Deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucks in Deep. Bless you, boys! Young men expressing themselves unbelievable. Fucks Deep. Put it in deep. What it is. deep. Deep. Bring the puck deep. Puck deep. Just put the Mike Ross here, public address announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're listening to the Pucks in Deep Podcast with Adam Lesko and Josh Coleman.
1: Alright everybody, welcome back, Pucks in Deep Podcast. Episode 102. We're really clipping
2: along, Lesko. What are we? One one podcast per month these days? Awfully busy and sick. <laughs> I was sick. We would have done it last week. Right. We wouldn't have had our uh, we wouldn't have had our guest That's on. That's true though. That was in the works for a while, so. Yeah,
1: that was in the works for a little while. Episode 102. Welcome back, everybody. Josh Coleman. Here, alongside my co-host across the bar, Adam Lesko, we're cracking a few cold pints here in the garage and getting back after it. It's nice for me, Lesko. I'm I'm kind of getting my garage back. If you would have been here last week, you would have you would have seen quite the ordeal here. We had all of our tongue and groove boards that are now newly installed. Uh, into our our nursery. So there's uh, a
2: lot less material in
1: here now than there was um, previously. Man, and like Saturday was a tough day, bro, cuz like we were sanding and painting all of the tongue and groove boards. And that's
2: why there's dust all over the podcast gear. That's right. There yeah, actually, you know what? I probably should So at least now it looks like somebody works in here cuz before it was just the the man cave, right? It was the man cave. Now yeah. it looks like there's no gaming going on here. None. There's no putting green there's none. no none of that this no. is just a fucking this is a working man's garage yeah, this is a working I man's garage. i see tools brand new looking tools yeah you know i don't know how to use them well as long as somebody does i suppose well that's somebody is that's why you marry uh, up bud you marry yeah up.
1: it's true um and i've done just that because my uh my brother-in-law levy uh kirstie's brother he's he's here he's been here for the last week and a bit and he's gonna be here until saturday and I mean, let me tell you, this guy is a complete and utter savior because I don't know. Well, I guess we would have just hired it out to somebody like we're not we're not we're not drywalling all these rooms and and doing all the Mm -hmm. measurements and cutting like this guy's an absolute beauty. He's an engineer out in Vancouver, but he's got a side business working as a contractor for basically for for this type of stuff, like for renovations and whatnot. So, um, yeah, he's uh, he's been a real blessing Working his uh working himself to the absolute bone, but yeah, Saturday with the painting and the sanding, and then we had a show at the lasso right on uh on Saturday night, which went really well and you might be able to you might hear my voice has been right now, it's a little bit of a struggle for me. we did a cover of I was wearing I was
2: wearing you were sick now, just yeah. listening to you um
1: well, I don't know i don't, I don't think I'm sick, I think it's just my throat is still in recovery mode from Saturday because we did a uh, a rock cover of the Grinch.
2: And was it like real metal or what? Yeah, like <laughs>
1: you, you probably haven't seen it then, eh? Like there's a band called Small Town Titans <laughs> and they are the ones that did this like metalish hard rock cover of the Grinch. And cool. you know, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Um I would recommend anybody to go and check that out. Obviously Their video on YouTube is professionally recorded. It's amazing. right? Um, But if you want to toss Sawmill Road a little bit of loving, you can go check it out on our Facebook page as well. It was an absolute hit. Um, We hadn't even practiced it as a band. We had a band practice Friday, but our bass player was unable to make it. And we tried it, just the three of us, me, the guitar player, and the drummer. And it sounded really good in Kurt's basement. So we thought, well, let's try it anyway. So we texted our bass player and said... Just learn how to play the Grinch, because we're probably going <laughs> to play it. It worked out really well, man, because there was a bunch of uh, Christmas parties. Oh, yeah. People so you have- got
2: the Christmas party overflow, the ones you want to keep her going? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. We got the Christmas party overflow, and there was like people in Santa hats and you know wearing ugly Christmas sweaters and stuff like that. So I asked the crowd if they were ready to hear... Uh, a Christmas song by Sawmill Road, like not not our Christmas song, but you know Sawmill Road's going to try a Christmas song. Anyone interested in that? And got a big round of applause. And then we we played the Grinch, and, and it went extremely well. But it's really a screaming song, right? Like lots of high end, as loud as I possibly can <laughs> screaming. So you're paying the price now. I paid the price, yeah. Now I, you, I really wanna, you really
2: want to you really want to please the people. Now you got to get a handle on a uh, Mariah Carey cover. <laughs> okay, so you sound about as bad as me, which uh, I guess now we're on equal playing field like i couldn't even I couldn't even dream of doing this last week, and I'm still like got a little you well know, mild bit of congestion, but you're out on, the other but, side, yeah, oh, yeah, I turned corner there last week and been feeling pretty good and um watching a ton of soccer. Okay Keep being at home there you know right? Fucking soccer all day every day. It is going on all day right too pretty much well, yeah. yeah yeah. What's all, the time difference like there anyway? It's like night there and then like, the okay. like the mid morning the middle so of the day. So when do the like games that? generally start on yeah, the the Eastern well, time? Well I know so. when they had 3 a day there were like 9 um 9, like 11, and 2 or something like okay. that. So they're basically on all day. Yeah,
1: nothing going on at night then. So that's actually perfect for a soccer fan like yourself. Like To be completely honest with you, I'm not going to lie. I couldn't be bothered. I did watch um, a lot of that first Canada game.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Belgium, right? Yeah. And that, that was probably the best one to watch because that's the best they played, they the played entire great. tournament. I thought they were going to win that game. Oh, my God. They should have won that game. I feel like, like they should
1: have won that game. Yeah. I know nothing about soccer,
2: but I could
1: tell you one thing. I I thought that they played extremely well. I feel like they had the ball in their possession for the majority of the they game, did. especially the first half. Um, and then secondly, I hate to be that guy, but, I mean, I thought the refereeing was atrocious. I thought there yeah. were several calls that were easy fouls against Canada
2: and 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 nothing. I don't know. Yeah, soccer is a weird one, especially in pro soccer and, and in the World Cup. Where it's like you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? So everyone's fouling everyone every right. play. Because a lot of times where I'm like, oh, I didn't really see that was a foul, and then they show you the replay, and he's like grabs him three times before he falls down or something. Yeah, but, yeah. But enjoying that. I I don't watch a ton of soccer, but World Cup comes around and I'm all over it. But uh, at least I'm enjoying uh, enjoying watching the Leafs. I'm um, not unlike last time we met when we were a little doom and gloom and yeah. Kind of just like everybody else in Leafland around well, that time. Literally a month ago, right? And and if you uh play back
1: our episode one oh one intro, we had the Undertaker music going on. It was serious. It was very serious. We had clips from a lot of the well known uh, media personnel that, you know, revolve around the leafs, guys like Dangle, Friedman, Koliakovo. We we're hearing obituaries. Yeah, those guys were saying that it's Absolutely over. I think my favorite audio clip was of Elliot Friedman saying, "If I was running the Maple Leafs, I would be very concerned with what the board is thinking." I mean, like, <laughs> are we really at that point in Jeez. this game? And how many games in? It was were ten. We? It was ten in. Ten in. At four four and four four and two, yeah. or something like that. It wasn't good, man. I wasn't very happy about it. Um, we we kind of let it off our chest uh, during that episode. It was fun, but basically. I don't know if maybe the boys listened to the episode, Lesko, but since total then, <sighs> since then, it's been nothing total but... Total redemption. Nothing Just but Shut victories. everybody up,
2: and it's, it's great to see what they've done in a pretty, I don't know, a tough start to the year... Not just on the ice in the results, but with Morgan Riley getting hurt, Jake Muzzin getting hurt, um, Jordy Ben steps up, and then he gets hurt. The D's been decimated, and they're just plug and play. They're putting guys in. They're making it work anyway. And one thing that we really hammered on in that last episode was team defense being a major problem. The commitment was not there. Uh, they look disheveled. They looked dis- dis- disorganized. The breakouts were terrible. That has completely changed. And that, I think, is one of the biggest reasons why we've seen the success they've had in the last month. Because you go back and look at the scores, there were a lot of games they won by one goal, which is not typically their forte. Is a team with a reputation of, with an inability to keep leads. They've won a lot of games by just shutting it down in the third period, which typically has never been their strength.
1: It's been the opposite, right? They sleep. come out hot, on fire, score a bunch of goals, and go to get, sleep, <laughs> get a two or three goal lead, and then go to absolute sleep. And then before you know it, the other team has crawled back. Leafs have been notorious over the last few seasons for giving up leads, losing things uh, in the in the weaning moments of, of games. But uh, one thing that has been a real uh, a real concern for me, Lesko, is. The overtime record. Yeah. Like they have more overtime losses right now than regulation losses. Yeah, which they're is, currently
2: one in six and have five regulation losses. That's wild, man. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And um,
1: all I can say is, thank goodness the playoffs don't feature three-on-three
2: overtime. There you go. You right? can rest easy in that regard. And I was kind of thinking, too, like—and typically, I think, throughout the Matthews eras they've been relatively successful. I don't have numbers to back that up, but I'd be curious to take a look at them because— just the sheer level of talent on the team. You think like, you know, uh, automatic advantage to the Maple Leafs in overtime situation, but we're seeing a lot of uh, just bad errors, you know, miss the net, comes around the boards. Yeah. Just, you know, that all-out commitment to believing, I guess you're going to score right away, and a lot of them they've lost like in the first minute. Um, I did look at some statistics related to overtimes, and it uh, turns out that most teams are about – about middle of the pack. Like they all, it's a coin flip for everybody. Yeah. You always know say the shootout's a coin flip. Well, it turns out three and three overtime ends up being about the same. Good teams, bad teams, they fare out, you know, 60, anywhere in between 60 40, basically, split on the, on the results.
1: Yeah. And I mean, e- even the worst teams in the NHL have three, like uh, maybe star players or maybe not three star players, but three, like, High-end players mm-hmm. that can that can be rolled out in overtime. Now, you know, are you are you putting out uh, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegres, and Cam Fowler in, in the first sh- Like on the first shift for Anaheim, who are you rolling with for for shift number two? Right, like at right. that point, if you're Anaheim and you want to get that W, they don't really want to get too many Ws. I don't think this year. But <laughs> uh, if you want that W, if you're not scoring on that first shift with your high-ticket players, you're going to be in tough. With the Maple Leafs, I feel like I'll put. Not only are our, our top three against anyone else's top three. three, I'm okay with the next three mm-hmm. also, um, but it just hasn't worked out uh, yeah. for the Leafs. It's a bit of a concerning point, but I, I think really at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's more of just a talking point than something that you know actually requires work. I mean, for the love of God, we only saw them uh, practice the three-on-three format for the first time, I think it was late November.
2: Yeah, after they lost a few
1: in a row. There. They lost a couple yeah. in a row in overtime. And, and one of the Leaf reporters, it might have been Luke Fox, friend of the show, um, he was saying, you know, Keith is working on three-on-three for the first time this, this season, which is kind of interesting to me because I thought, okay, there are points available on the table when you get to three-on-three. How much time does a coaching staff actually spend on working on three-on-three, mm-hmm. strategies, you know, practicing it uh, with the team? And, and clearly, at least for Sheldon Keith. I can't speak for all coaches, but at least for Sheldon
2: Keith, it doesn't seem to be that high of a priority. Yeah, I I would expect it wasn't really a, a priority, just considering the level of talent. You figure I'll bet on my guys, over I'll bet on their guys every day of the week, and yeah. kind of hoping for the best. But you know, I guess it's the only thing uh, that they gotta kind of hone in on right now and just continue doing what they're doing. Like I said, with the with the way that they're playing as a group the way that they're keeping pucks in the net. And obviously the other aspect of their success in the last month is the goaltending. Uh, we went into the season fairly optimistic about the tandem. Within three weeks, we were a little sketched out about it. Within <laughs> four, we were crying for help with uh, Shalgren taking the majority of the starts. But oh credit to him, man, he did, he did what he had to do. Right. You know, he wasn't terrific by any means. He wasn't terrible, but he did well enough to win them some games. And uh, you know, hopefully build a little bit of confidence for him as well. Uh, but those two guys um uh have done a fantastic job for the Maple Leafs and kind of stabilizing that position. And one thing I will make a comparison to say Jack Campbell is that these two guys are very um methodical in their movements in the net. There's not a lot of swimming. There's not a lot of falling out of the crease, any yeah. of that running into the posts. I feel like we've seen a lot of that with like Hutchinson and some of the goalies we've had previous. Um, Hutchinson. I, if, I feel like there is a calmness I get as a fan watching Matt Murray operate in the net the way he does. Yeah,
1: I agree. Um, the less movement, the better. I mean, one of the all-time greats in terms of limiting his movements Uh, is Carey Price. You look at, I know Mm -hmm. they always say, Carey Price, cool as a cucumber. Look how calm he is in there. Like, I get it. We get it. All right? He's calm. But it's true, though. Um, And you make a good point with Murray. and, 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 you know, in the same breath, Samsonov as well. Like you said, there's not a whole lot of crazy you know desperation saves i mean obviously when they're forced into it they Mm -hmm. they do it but um they're they're putting themselves in good position and they're putting the team in good position as well you bring up shalgren i think it's kind of funny to to note that like i i have samsonov in in my fantasy uh league and um obviously murray was down and then samsonov was down and i'm like i guess i'm picking up eric shalgren in in fantasy you know and I thought he did. Uh, I thought he did his job, and you know what? At the end of the day, that's really good experience for this guy. Like, oh, yeah. he wasn't just called up to get a back-to-back or something like that. Like he was actually—he was a
2: starter for a while. He was thrust into a starter's position, and I thought he answered the bell uh, very well. Yeah, absolutely, and it was a a bit of a tough stretch of games that they had, and you know, it was interesting talking a lot about the streak lately, the martyr streak, and. You know, the Leafs went on a bit of heater too, but ending streaks. They took out Boston, right? Right? They went out and took out Detroit. I think they were on a five-game heater. Um, So it's good to see them. uh, They beat New Jersey as well. That was another one that I feel like the first game against New Jersey, they kind of let slip away. Then the recent one, they they looked ready, and they they definitely brought their best effort, I thought. So it was nice to see them taking on these other teams that are, you know, right now top of the NHL. And, uh, you know, that game against Boston perhaps might be one of the most impressive efforts of the season altogether. Well, we know uh, they bring it when the opponents are
1: ahead of them in the standings and they tend to play down uh, to their opposition. I think that was one of the more concerning uh, aspects of the early part of the season. The first 10, 12 games was that all these teams that the Leafs had a pure Easy chance at at two points, and they were unable to to make it cash. That was super frustrating. But then all of a sudden, they'd you know play all these teams that are doing fantastically well. Like even that New Jersey game, um, the first time that they had a chance to stop the New Jersey streak, and they lost. It was a good game though. Yeah. And New Jersey is not a not a uh, a fluke. You know, like we thought maybe they might have been a bit of a fluke early in the season. I can't speak for everybody, but I think most people would agree that they weren't necessarily. You know, penciling them in as a playoff team. Buffalo does it every well, year.
2: I was t- having a hard time separating them from how I felt about Buffalo because I wasn't buying into the Buffalo hype again this year. Right. And I've been proven correct so far. Um, I, I'm just not sure. Like, I think I want to see how the Devils fare out as the season goes on. Like, if they can carry this into the new year, I think you'd be like, okay, hey, they've arrived. Agreed. They're the real deal because I feel like a young team like this has to kind of maintain for a little longer before you're like, okay. This is a bonafide playoff team here, right? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the
1: uh, rest of the season goes. I mean, Vitek Vanacek, one of the one of the bright spots. It's been in the fantastic. NHS, so Washington's got to be kicking themselves there. Oh, I know, and uh, and Kemper is Kemper as well, right? Yep. Like they lost a couple of uh, good options in nets, and they're, they've been struggling so far uh, to start the season. Uh, look at. Um, Jay, uh, Mr. Rosehill, our guest, has uh, let me know that he's good to go anytime. Do you want to bring him in? Yes, sir. Give him a little ring here. Let's see what we got. Uh, I always forget how to do, like, a FaceTime audio. <laughs> Now's not the time. Yeah, I know, but, like, I just had it. Oh, here we go. Face? No, that's a FaceTime. I don't want to video him. Oh, my
2: God. Uh-oh. Dude, I keep – I'm screwing this up big time here. Lunch well, is uh Hit the old pause button there.
1: Yeah, but every time, so every time, like I just had it, I just had it before trying to get him in here on on FaceTime and then, oh, FaceTime video, he's calling me now. I guess that might work. That could work. We only really need the other, there he is. Hey, What's Jay. Right, how are you? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Look at this guy. He's got the FaceTime audio and everything. There's Look at my that. there's my call. How's it going, Adam, Jay?
0: What's up, boys? How are ya? I'm good. You guys?
1: Good, good man. Listen, so yeah, I mean, obviously the um, the call here itself is just audio. Okay, Jay. We're we're live now. We were just ta- talking about the uh, New Jersey Devils. Maybe uh, before we get into too much on the Toronto Maple Leafs and and your uh, career as a player. Lesko's not sure if he's fully on board yet, and I think we're we're well past the point where we can kind of uh, solidify New Jersey in the playoffs. What are you thinking there?
0: We could take New Jersey out in the playoffs?
1: No, like if they're going to make, you know, are they are they the real deal? Yeah, I mean, they're a pretty legit
0: hockey team. Are they cop contenders or not? I don't know, but as far as getting in the playoffs and doing well, it sure looks that way, right?
1: I think so, man. Off the strength of Vitek Vanacek, we were just before we called you, we were saying that uh, perhaps Washington might be kicking themselves in the pants, uh, letting, letting a couple good goalies go, and uh, they're not looking so hot this year.
0: Yeah, seriously, man. They've uh, <clears throat> unloaded some quality attendees they didn't think were working out, and now both of them are looking pretty good. So. I don't know. I thought, uh, everyone thought Dubas was going to take the ass kicking for signing these guys, but he's looking pretty good right now.
1: Well, speaking of Dubas, uh, what were your thoughts? Again, Lesko and I were just talking about how, you know, before the season started, we were uh, cautiously optimistic about the goaltending. Um, I was, I feel like more than anything, I I personally was trying to manifest a good season. If I could help in any way with some good, positive energy, that's what I was trying to do. Um, But I mean... These guys have, have really shocked even myself. Like, I was big on both of these guys. I Like I said, cautiously optimistic. But I think they've answered the bell. A couple injuries for both of them. No surprises for a guy like Matt Murray. He's had injury problems. But, um, I mean, when they've been in the net, they've been really rock solid. And I think Dubis is uh, earning a bit of a pat on the back here at this point in the game.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Like, uh, my host on our show there, Nick Alberga, he just wanted nothing to do with either goalie. And I'm looking at it going, man, Murray's only problem has been being stuck in Ottawa and being stuck with injuries for the last... Couple of years, and you know what his pedigree is and what he's capable of. So why not invest in that a little bit and just see if you can get some out of it. And then the backup plan is Samsonov, who's like got that first round pedigree. And oh, the last couple of years weren't great in Washington, but it's like you know what the last couple of years were like with COVID and all that bullshit. Like I don't take any stock into especially a goalie's performance, um, a young goalie. The last couple of years with their. Like all the bubble shit and the traveling and the mix-ups and all the testing. And my God, man, I could see a guy just not even being himself those years. So, you know, thankfully that so far has paid off. And like you say, they both got hurt, but no one, nobody died, right? No one was uh, hung out to dry too bad. And they, uh, they looked like they were just uh, kind of becoming a one-two punch here. If they can stay healthy, it looks pretty solid to me.
2: Probably the best goaltending we think we've seen the blue and white in years, so hopefully we can hang on to that. You did mention a friend of the show, Nick Alberga. Uh, of course, you're co-hosting Leafs Morning Take on theleafsnation.com. You can also find that on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I did ha- want to know, actually, I know Alberga was teasing it a little bit before the, the announcement came out, but uh, how did the show come about and just kind of give us the origin story and how you decided to take a trip into media?
0: Yeah, it was uh kind of came out of nowhere. It was you know, I'm a firefighter in Calgary right now and we're on 24-hour shifts and stuff, so it gives you some time off to recover, but I was just wanting to find something on the side, something to put my energy into um just wasn't totally fulfilled and knew I kind of had something missing and uh a buddy of mine Luke Shen who's still playing in Vancouver he was talking to uh to Frank Saravalli who's up there with uh the Nation Network and he was asking Luke when he visited Philly like if you knew anybody that was wanting to get into media and that uh you know doesn't mind talking in front of a speaker or whatever and uh um my name just kind of came out of Luke's mouth and then Frank had remembered me from Philly and we'd bullshit sometimes in the stalls on pregame skate kind of thing and he was kind of a beat writer at the time around there and and uh you know one phone call and a couple uh FaceTimes with Nick and then all of a sudden two weeks later we were live so it just it came out really really quickly and just I guess Luke kind of put us in touch and said this might work out so I've been enjoying it
1: yeah, it's pretty sweet. I know um, Lesko called Nick uh, a friend of the show. He's he's appeared on on our podcast on a couple of occasions. And I can tell you what, uh, Jay, I mean, you two have a really good back and forth there, um, you know, talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, sometimes you think, okay, uh, I remember Jay Rosehill, you know. He made a nice living punching people in the face for the Leafs and, and the Flyers. and uh, But you you wonder, you think, okay, how is this going to translate in a post-playing career? You know, he's on YouTube. Is it going to be worth the while? And I'll tell you right now, like not just to pump your tires, I'm not just uh, stroking you off here, but it's uh, it's a really uh, I feel like it's a must-watch, man. You guys do a really good job each and every uh, morning after the Leafs game.
0: No, oh, show sure. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think Nick kind of carries the show. He's got a lot of experience in the field and. Um, he's pretty polished with how he runs through the show and everything, and um, you know he makes it easy on me because my job's just kind of you know to answer the questions, give my two cents, and I'll, off my experience and whatnot, and uh, just have a bullshit with him in the morning. And he, he's pretty good at steering things in the right direction and knowing where everything is. Half the time, I uh, I can't keep the numbers and the stats and all that stuff in order. I'm kind of more of a gut feeling guy, so right. um, we kind of we kind of switch hit each other pretty good and you know he's been watching the Leafs forever and um, has been disappointed for a long time and I'm kind of uh, you know just out of hockey and starting to follow it for my job and I I was always a fan anyway my son's a diehard all, all of a sudden the last year and now, I, I got, I'm not as jaded as he is. I'm positive. I'm thinking this is a great year to be a fan, and everything's great. And he just doesn't. Uh, he's seen the movie too many times before, he says. So we banter back and forth a little bit, but it's been fun getting in there. And like I said, he's kind of been
1: carrying it for
0: me, making it easy.
1: Well, I can tell you, it hasn't been the greatest time uh, being a fan for, what, Let's go. The majority of our lives. 30 years. 30 <laughs> years or so. Um, yeah. you, you, obviously, you joined us uh, mid, middle of the show, Jay, so you didn't get a chance to check out our intro uh, i clipped your your first nhl goal um, oh, so i thought maybe you might uh, be able to to harken back to that first nhl nhl goal a pretty sweet setup by your line mate jamal Mayers.
0: <laughs> yeah jammer with the feet i think i almost missed it. you thing. did almost <laughs> miss it <laughs> <laughs> yeah shit it was uh dude that was just a whirlwind week like i'd made the team out of, tra- out of uh, training camp my first game was in toronto there against uh The canadians and and then it was my third game that i scored in so i mean i'm still totally getting used to this it was the defending stanley cup champions we're playing crosby and malkin and and uh flurries and Ned. it was just a whirlwind of a week and i just kind of snuck inside the d-man there and kind of got the uh the inside track and the puck came flying away and i remember just being like is that the actual puck like (laughs) there there it is like, like I and then it went in and you can see my cell I'm like, I just scored in the fucking show
1: <laughs> Yeah it was pretty sweet man and then I think was it only just a couple of nights later you had one taken away from you in, in Philly. I think it was very soon after that. You had just scored yeah, your get, first NHL goal and then they took one away from you off the glove or something like that. I didn't like it.
0: Yeah, it was um I think I gotten called up. It was it was a little later in the season and uh and they started the fourth line against their first line. Yeah. And everyone was like, "What is going on?" And we just kind of ran in there and banged a couple guys. And then um, it was—I think it was Jammer again. I, I kind of bumped the puck to him and spun around the other side of the net, got it on my backhand. He was just making a mad scramble at it, and I got kind of pushed from behind and fell into it. And just kind of a big goal on the first shift of like a totally unexpected uh move by uh by ron wilson and then they kept saying it's going upstairs and it's still kind of inconclusive i'm falling forward i think i'm trying to like whack it with the shaft of my stick and they thought it touched my glove but i always got to give myself a half a goal for that one half the goal. Goal. Yeah, easy. Uh, they didn't they didn't come by too often in the show you got to count every little bit that's uh, that you can get
2: and that was a pretty interesting era in the maple Leafs history i guess with the Brian Burke coming in, uh, Wilson coming out, Carlisle coming in. And I think that's really when you started to see a, a few more games up when the it seemed the demeanor of the team changed that they really put an emphasis on some bigger, meaner guys to help protect some of the skill on the team. Um, can you tell us a little bit just what that was like and and how you kind of saw that team and, and what it's, – it was just so so odd and so – I feel like the Toronto media made it out to be a lot of things. Maybe it wasn't at the time. So just give us some idea of what that group was about, and and I know it was very short-lived time. And they, I feel like they d- dismantled it before, um, you know, anything really got going there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, like Berkey comes in and wants to put his mark on the team. So he's no stranger to kind of making a splash with the media and his. Uh, his press conferences and whatnot. So he gets to Toronto. He knows what it's all about. And he starts off by saying, you know, truculence and pugnacity and this <laughs> kind of stuff. So the media just has a heyday with that. And then, you know, they sign Colton Orr and, and they bring some guys in that are that are got some toughness. And I remember uh, I remember being there in training camp and I was just sitting waiting for my turn to go on the bike there standing in the gym and i just kind of felt this presence behind me and i look and brian Burke's right over my shoulder and he's just looking straight forward and he he says without even looking at me he's like this is your kind of team this year rosie team and i'm like okay like point taken so i think i went and like fought like five times in like seven nights or something crazy to to show that i had the truculence or whatever and um yeah, obviously didn't work out with that team. I think there's quite a few holes in the team, but, um, you know, every team since 67 has been trying to put something together and figure out a formula, right? So uh, we were just one of the ones that didn't work out. But it was neat getting there and, and being under the lights of that city and, and the scrutiny of that media. Like, I just couldn't believe it. You'd finish a uh, pregame skate and you get off and you're trying to get to your stall and you can't freaking get to it. There's, <laughs> it, is, it is packed with media, wall to wall. Guys can't even get to their stalls and – and then you go to Florida or something like that, and there's just three guys kind of hanging out. You know, it's a, it's a totally different story, but it's it's pretty wicked. I think that's what makes uh, the organization so great is, is just the spotlight that's on it all the time.
1: So playing uh, for the Leafs, like outside of scoring your, your first NHL goal with the club, I think that's probably a, a pretty special moment, Jay. Um, anything else uh, stick out to your mind, like maybe that first time Throwing on the jurors, uh, you know, heading out for warmies. Dropping
2: the, the mitts on home ice. Yeah, with
1: the hair out, the gel in there. Like, what what, what's, what, what sticks out to you for your time there? <clears throat> yeah, well, I remember my uh,
0: my dad kind of – he flew down for my first game. So, we played that game in Toronto. Um, I got in my first fight, and the game was over. We went out for a beer afterwards, and he's just like – he's just in shock. He's like, I just – he's like, just, I never, he, we weren't like a, we played a ton of hockey growing up and had three kids in hockey at the same time. My parents drove me all over hell and did everything and supported me. We were very much a hockey family, but my parents weren't like as invested in it as some parents and didn't like understand that this is the draft and this is the WHL, this is NCAA. These are the different routes you can take. And here's what's possible. They had no bloody clue. So once I started playing pro and like, clipping along and all of a sudden you're in the NHL. It was just, my dad was just in shock saying, I just can't believe like what I just got to watch. And he was so proud. So we cruise back into the rink after everyone kind of clears out and we go through the, the locker room and he's looking at everyone's names. And I got my name bar right there with the Toronto Maple Leaf, like their logo beside it. And we're cruising around all the see, talking to the staff and seeing the facility. And he's just, it's just crazy that you'd be able to do that. at such a historic you know, with a historic uh, organization like that and show your dad around after your first NHL game. It was just a night to remember, you know, something that uh, that I always wanted. And yeah, it couldn't have been too much better, my Canadians, but. Uh...
1: Oh, right on. Sorry, Jay, we just lost you a little bit at the end of there, but uh, I wanted to ask you, um, I, well, Lesko had it on the, on the prep there. Uh, sorry to rain on your parade, Lesko, but. We were wondering, everyone's got a good Phil Kessel story, and we were hoping that maybe you might have a good Phil Kessel story for us. Oh,
0: I think I said it on uh, the Knuckles one. I don't know if they edited it out or
1: not, but i we see. Listen, we don't edit We don't here, edit, okay? so there you so go. You go there, right there. ahead, bud. Well,
0: we're in the—I uh, don't know how he'd feel about it, but whatever. We're, we're in the showers or whatever, and uh, you know how he had battled testicular cancer and everything, and overcame that. So he's obviously had one removed, right? right. So at the bottom of the old uh, sack, there is just one, and it's hanging pretty low. And he comes into the shower, swinging that around, saying, "Who wants the wrecking ball? Who wants <laughs> the wrecking <laughs> ball?" Oh <my> God.
2: <laughs> So he's just the funniest dude in the world, eh?
0: Seriously, man. He's he's a character, man. He's like for a guy that's <laughs> that negative to be that lovable. I don't think anyone else could do it. He's, uh, he's too funny, man. It would be fun to hang out with him now because that's getting on like 10 years ago. I hang out with him. So be interesting. But yeah, he's quite the guy. Everyone's got a story that played with him, I think.
1: Isn't it just wild to think too, Jay, that like that fucking guy has played every game since you played with him
0: it's insane <laughs> like it's insane not to not to miss one like it's just insane like not even a little groin pull not even like the beginning of the season like i'm not at 100 so i'm gonna kind of sit something out here not even a quick rest before the playoffs nothing nothing it's, it's insanity. i don't understand it at all there's it's there's no rhyme or reason a guy could go that long
1: and not even a suspension too because th- those count too jay like and I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Fill the thrill. He uh, he wasn't shy to swing that stick around every once in a while.
0: Oh, he wasn't scared to put his uh, put his hands together at the end like he's at bat and throw that <laughs> thing around. I know so. No, he managed to duck and dodge everything that he could have, and good for him, man. That's a record that I don't see getting broken anytime soon. I think no.
1: so. I almost feel bad for Keith Yandel. He had the record for five fucking minutes. That was it. I know. Exactly. <laughs> it's
0: weird that a guy's done the same thing almost so uh, so closely, um, so close behind. But, uh, yeah, we knew Phil was coming up kind of behind him, at least with and reason. um, But I don't think there's anyone else that's too much closer that could even have a sniff at it, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, Phil's got that record and I I can't see even just the way the game has evolved now that, you know, guys are, you know, taking load management, so to speak, where you're not even going to play a guy if he's not even feeling right or the time they take to bring guys back from injury just seems unlikely that anyone's going to get anywhere close to that. Um, I did want to take it back to your career, Jay. Um, I know it's probably mandatory to be tough to play junior A in Alberta, but were you always like a tough guy coming up, or did you uh, kind of evolve your game and and kind of upon that realization? I know a lot of tough guys tell that story where they're like, that's how I knew I'd make it type thing.
0: Yeah, no, mine wasn't uh, so much like that. Like, I was a defenseman in junior and got drafted as a D-man, and um, I was super physical, and, and with that came some scraps, but um, it wasn't like my job. I wasn't the, the designated guy by any means. It, uh, it wasn't until uh, my third year pro, I was playing in the American League, and they switched me to forward because we had such depth on the on the back end, too many bodies, and we didn't know what to do with everyone, and I played some – some uh forward back and like up till bantam i guess and um so started uh so said i could kind of do that and they threw me up front and i never played another game d until my last couple years in in europe but uh it just once i started playing forward i was just running around hammering guys as as much as i could i just love to hit and chase guys down and bury them with their head down and with that just came so many fights and i was never one to back down anytime someone asked i said yeah and then once you do that a few times, they just start coming and coming. And then all of a sudden, I'm I'm like a I'm like a noted enforcer, which w- wasn't the uh, wasn't the plan and it wasn't something I set out to do. But it just kind of happened. And once it happened, I said, "Hey, fuck it." I mean, this is going fine. And um, I wanted out of Tampa's organization. They were kind of had me buried at one point in time. So I I said, "Hey, I need to make a name and get out of here and make some noise." And that was the, the best way I could do it at the time. So. Away we went, and then all of a sudden, I find myself fighting 30 sometimes in a season. It was just kind of, it was pretty wild at that time.
1: Yeah, I'm cruising through your uh, hockeyfights.com. I don't know if uh, you're familiar with the the website or whatever, but um, kind of a uh, a collection of, of everything that you've done, all your fights, who you fought against, uh, your rivals. I mean, are you able to uh, take a stab at who you think you you fought the most uh, in the in your NHL career? Um, go with
0: Bolton or Thornton.
1: Ah, good, good guesses, man. So Sean Thornton is, is first. You have, well, uh, per hockey fights, of course, it could not official, I guess, but, uh, they have you down as uh, four tilts against, uh, Sean Thornton. And oh, then, yeah. uh, second place is, uh, NHL network radio host, Michael Rupper uh, oh, right. with three. And then, yeah, Eric Bolton was, uh, was number two. But one thing that we wanted to ask you too. uh, Jay was if there was anybody out there that, you know, you knew going into the game, like, Oh fuck, I'm going to have to fight this guy. and I don't really want to, but, um, you knew you had to, is there anyone that you weren't looking forward to, or was it come all takers?
0: Um, there, yeah, it's always the way you think is, uh, Oh, I might have to go someone tonight. It's kind of irrelevant unless you're, you're talking about like Brian McGratton or something like that, where a pretty big boy, you know, it you know, you're going to be in for quite the tussle that night, but, uh, you kind of get to learn that you could have your hands full with absolutely anybody. And, uh, it's, uh, you just kind of gotta, gotta be on your toes regardless of who you're going. But there's definitely some of those big guys with a name beside them that, uh, that, that you're paying extra attention to, you know, but take your pick any of them in that league that do that job for a living. There's uh, you better be paying attention.
2: Right on. Yeah. And obviously that was a completely different time and the game's evolved a lot, you know, since you've left the league or even when you came up, um, I always want to get, uh, you know, a former enforcer fighter's opinion on what their current, uh, on what the current state of the NHL is and hockey in general, and just uh, how the game has changed so much and what you think of that. Yeah,
0: I, I had a lot of gripe there, probably around that 16, 17, 2018, kind of that era, going back a couple of years. But it was—I uh, just felt like it was so soft. You're not allowed to hit anybody. If uh, if you do, there's a chance you get suspended. So guys just put themselves in the shittiest, most vulnerable positions. They turn, they dive, they they try to get hit from behind, so to speak, to get on the power play, and then they sell it, and then they get right back out there for the power play. And it, it just drove me nuts. It's like it's like what always separated us from like soccer, or European football. It's that. Oh yeah absolutely zero contact chicken shit hockey that i never could stand and all of a sudden it's turning into that and uh i think they've kind of righted the ship though i mean watching this year i haven't been very frustrated i know there's not as many massive hits maybe i've just gotten used to the fact that no one really comes up with big hits too much anymore but i haven't minded the chippiness there's scraps a fair bit um maybe i'm just following the right accounts online and stuff like that <laughs> i guess i get scraps put in my face more often okay. but uh I don't know. I always wanted that old school to stay around and to watch that hockey just simply for the selfish fact of it's the f- best hockey to watch. I mean, that in- that Darcy Tucker style of hockey where mm-hmm. you're just losing your mind and slamming doors and F you and you want to fight and starting scrums and face washing and yelling at the refs. It's just gets my blood going. It's just the greatest shit in the world to watch. And now it's kind of a little bit too much buddy, buddy, like everyone's chill. Everyone's a, a friend out there. And Makes it for a little bit less intense of a watching experience, but I also understand what was going on with, you know, concussions and head problems and the scrutiny the NHL was under with uh, with the lawyers and the everything that was getting involved was was no kind of laughing matter. So I understand how it works, but hopefully they keep the hockey as uh, as physical and exciting as it it can be.
1: And what's your take on uh, you know? hitting like a a big clean hit and then there's got to be a fight after i know some people are really you know i don't understand why you got to answer the bell on a big hit where do you stand on on that type of thing that's going on these days
0: yeah it kind of deters the hits a little bit for sure but um i also understand it like let's like there's nothing good about being on the bench and one of your teammates just gets blown up, right? He cuts across the middle, and just gets blown up. The whole barn goes nuts. Their whole bench goes nuts. He's standing over top of them like, fucking, how do you like that? And it's it's demoralizing for your team, right? So you don't want that to happen to your team. And in order to hopefully make it happen as little as often, you kind of set the precedent where if you run a guy that big and make that big of a splash to look us look, make us look that shitty, then you better be ready to To fight because then we're going to be in a bare knuckle fight and I think a lot of guys would just say you know what I I could throw that hit but I don't feel like fighting so-and-so right now Um, so they just don't do it and it prevents it from happening which I understand from a teammate side of things why they do that but I also like wish they wouldn't because I want to see more big hits right but um, I I don't hate it. It, it it is whatever I mean yeah, don't hit my don't hit my guy like that dude or we're going because i don't want you to take his head off and if you take a run at him we're going so i don't mind it but i see where people are like why the hell do you gotta answer the bell after a clean check i get that side of it too
1: right yeah it makes sense and i think it matters too a lot like who is the player that got blown up you know if it's yeah. uh if it's your uh 000, uh call up there from the minors it, it might not uh, warrant a, a huge reaction but if it's one of your star players then yeah Um, we're going to go. Just quickly, Jay, before we uh, move on to this uh, current iteration of the Toronto Maple Leafs, want to get your thoughts on the team this year. Um, Just thought maybe we might throw it out to you, put you on the spot and see if there's any... any fun stories from your playing time? Uh, you gave us a good one on Phil Kessel, but I was wondering if you might have had a, a good story from, you know, just being a player and maybe getting into some shenanigans or uh, you and the boys out for a late night, didn't make, uh, didn't make the, the curfew uh, late to practice the next morning. Uh, anything good for our listeners?
0: Um, well, when Randy Carlisle came into town, he was um, – He was kind of strict and wanted to turn the team around and put his name on it and all this shit. So um, he was with us on our first plane trip back home from our first road trip, and he had come back to the back of the plane for some reason, which like never happens. And he was talking to our our stewardesses there and then went back up to the front. We thought that was kind of weird. So after practice, the next day, we're stretching after practice, and he pulls out of his pocket this list of all the booze we drank on the plane on the way home. (laughs) Oh, no. And he's listing off all these, this much beer, this much wine, this much hard liquor, and how the fuck did 24 guys who go through that much booze on the plane (laughs) or whatever? So we're like, oh, fuck. We're like, whatever. So we, uh, the next day, there's no more booze on the plane. So then everyone's uh, duffel bag getting onto the plane was going, clink, clank, clink, clank. (laughs) (laughs) But you'd hear things of, like, uh, Randy, like, you'd hear from a lot of coaches. I don't think it was just Randy, but, like, He'd have uh, somebody hanging out in the hotel at, like, 1 in the morning. And, and then if you walk, if a player walks in, they'd ask for the autograph on the jersey. And then Randy would go collect that and see who signed the jersey, right? <laughs> um, And then he would know who was out after curfew or was out too late or whatever. So I don't know if I ever came across someone like that. I would just do some swirly old signature and put like number 84 on and be like, nice try, Randy. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Good one, Randy. (laughs) Yeah. Unreal. Now you finished your career over in Europe. You played a couple of years in the UK. Um, Just wanted to get the story on that. Like, how'd you end up there? How'd you decide to go there and what the experience was like for you?
0: Yeah, I kind of had a, a deal lined up in North America here with the uh, Coyotes, and um, just really weird. It fell. They had offered me a contract, gave me the weekend to think about it. I called my agent, called back on the Monday, and and to accept it, and they said, "Oh, sorry, we gave that away already to someone that's already in the pipeline." Like the most unprofessional thing I've ever. But Jeez. I guess that's what you get from like a twenty nine year old GM. But oh, uh, par for the course it, for the Coyotes yeah, too. Yeah, exactly the most gong show <laughs> bush organization in the world. Oh. <laughs> but uh and then all of a sudden i'm back at square one and um someone had called me from over in uh in the uk and kind of just first sniffed it out and noticed some players that i recognized and they have like 12 or 14 canadians on the team so um got in touch with the coach over there and they called me and said hey do you want to come here and i started actually thinking about it seriously and uh talked to some different people and checked out like the golf courses around the area we're just like i'm kind of a a golf history nerd, I just love that shit, so to go over there and play everything on the open rotation and everything was uh, appealing to me, and then uh, I talked to Ryan Finerty, the the coach over there, and he said, you can come over here, I, I need you to be our captain, I need you to be you know, a leader, I want you to play in the first couple lines, I can tell you can play, but you have just never had any ice time, and um, I don't care if you fight 20 times or if you fight zero times, I could not give a shit. It's totally up to you, but I just want some experience. I want you to come over here and be a leader and play a bunch of minutes and be net front on the power play. And I mean, at that point in my career, the fighting was, was totally done in, in North America. They had just like, Cleaned house basically in the NHL. And, um, I thought, well, there's, there's no reason to stay over here and grind it out in the American league for no reason. Let's go have an experience over there. So, um, we packed up the family, went over there and we had a blast. I played in Glasgow and Manchester and finished my career there. Got to, got to know that it was the end of my career and like decide for myself and call it quince on my own terms, which not everyone gets to do. And you right. don't really think about how guys' careers end, but a lot of time it's, it's pretty bitterly. Right. So, uh, it was nice that I got to do it on my own terms and, you know, my family went over there, got lots of experiences and my son started going to school over there wearing like the uh, like the British school uniform and everything. It was hilarious. So uh, lots of fun and, yeah, I was just, I was glad I got to go over there and just have an experience and just finish on a positive note, you know.
1: That's really cool, man. That's a really cool experience for, like you mentioned, yourself to be able to exit the game of hockey on your own terms, as you point out uh, perfectly that it doesn't happen for everybody. And you, 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 on the on the flip side of things, you talk about ending your career overseas. I want to talk about a guy like Austin Matthews, who kind of unprecedented decided to go overseas and and play uh, in the in the Swiss League, uh, you know, against men, which um, really was something kind of groundbreaking, I think, for for a, a top player. I mean, we're not just yeah. talking about some random Joe, you know, like this is the. Uh, Likely at that time in the game, he was likely the number one overall pick. He he definitely deserved that, and I think since then he's proven why he's the number one pick. Um, maybe speak a little bit about a decision like that by a player as a young man to go over there and say, "Look, I'm I'm done racking up all the points against junior kids. Uh, I'm way better than these guys. Uh, let's go over and play against some bigger, tougher guys."
0: Yeah, I, I think he's smart, and I don't really understand why why kids didn't do that beforehand. I, I mean. It used to be you do not go over to junior unless you're going over there to be done. Once you go over, you never come back is usually um the story with with going over to Europe. And um nowadays guys get out of college, guys get out of junior, um, and they head over there and it's not this this uh, faux pas thing anymore where you're ruining your career. And I think like you said, Austin Matthews kinda paved the way to do that. But I mean, instead of playing junior in wherever you are why not go over to like sweden or switzerland or finland and live in like a beautiful city make a good chunk of money you're developing even better than you would be in junior by far and i think you're just going to take a bigger step that way then you got a life experience you probably have more character you're you're uh, you're more polished and have more experience and you're more of a pro coming out of there to start your career in the NHL rather than stepping right out of junior where it's literally kids that are in grade 10 are on that right. roster and then you step into the NHL. It's a bit of a shock. So I think it was – it made total sense to me and um, – a guy like him especially can do whatever the hell he wants, so why not go try it that way? And obviously it worked out pretty good for him.
1: I think so, and I obviously we'll, we'll never know this. Okay, If he stays in the U.S. National Development Program and, and does the, the, the standard conventional way of developing himself, maybe he does enter the NHL and, and, and score four goals in his opening night and en route to 40 and getting the Toronto Maple Leafs back to the playoffs for the first time in forever. But I'd like to think that... Really? No. The reason that that happened is because he went over there and because he, like you said, he was prepared to come into the NHL and play against these meaner, tougher, older veterans who have been around the block a few times.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. And, um, I, I we will never know obviously but I mean all you can do is is think of you know what would you do and like if I had a son playing right now and he was at that caliber and he's just shit kicking everyone in the CHL or the development team or wherever he is um, and he's that good I would say yeah go over there and um, you know play against men play on the big ice see what that European style of hockey is like and it's only gonna help you right it's only gonna give you more experience and and uh, just give you something to, to build off of. It, it, it's got to be better than playing against, you know, the kids that you're just way too good to be playing anymore. Um, go over there, see part of the world, get an experience under your belt, make a few bucks while you're doing it compared to a, you know, a kid making whatever you would make in junior or whatever. Like all of a sudden you have a job and you're right paying for shit and you, you just get that world life experience uh, a little bit earlier than you would playing uh those development teams or junior or whatever
1: and i know we wanted to chat with you about the leaves but i think you got to get going soon eh? aj how much longer do we have you for here Maybe uh, i got eight?
0: 10 more minutes 10 minutes here.
1: okay sweet uh what do you want to hit him with Lesko? sure um we leafs. so we've seen
2: uh, interesting years so far from the maple leafs uh, beginning i guess the first month we're all crying that's Second month, we're like, okay, this is a little more what we're used to. Um, maybe getting some comparisons to last year's team. Where are you at with the team overall right now? Um, you know, what do you see from them? Uh, is this is this a, a better iteration of the Maple Leafs, or are we still just treading water here? No, I definitely don't think we're just treading water
0: here. I, I think this is the best team that the Maple Leafs have had in quite some time um i've got i've betted for them to get past the first round i I think they're you know you look at take the last five years all the teams that have been through the first round in the playoffs as a whole this team is better than many of them right they're they're they deserve to get to the second round um the thing is it's still who are you going to run into in the playoffs and it shouldn't matter to a good hockey team, but it does. It is reality. I mean, you're running into these Tampa Bay lightnings and it's just, it's difficult. And I really believe that if they scored in game seven or game six last year and got to the second round, I think they would have gone right to the Stanley cup final. Um, I have no doubt in my mind about that. I don't think they would have gotten by Colorado, but um, they're one goal away from that. And I think this, this team's even better. And I don't believe Tampa is better than they were last year. But again, It is early. It's tough to say, but I am very positive about the team. I I think they're more well-rounded and deeper than they've ever been. I think we finally have goaltending um, that is not going to be the big question mark, and everyone's just biting their nails wondering if the goalie's going to show up today or not, and I don't think Jack Campbell, as good as a goalie he is, I just don't think he's suited for that market. And I love that we kind of have a, a dual switch hit t- tandem in uh, in net right now with the, the Maple Leafs because both of those guys, I don't think there is a clear starter. Um, and whoever is just happening to take the reins that week or whatever is I think who they're going to go with. Um, and I think both options so far are great. So it's nice to have that. It's not like you're hanging all your... All your hopes and dreams on this one goalie that's kind of shaky, which is what they've had to do the last few years. And um, they're getting a little bit deeper on the back end. And I think right now it's just injuries that are holding them up. But I mean, if they can get that secondary scoring plug in away. Uh, fill out their back end a little bit. I think, I mean, they're, they're a really bloody good hockey
1: team. So obviously the first uh, 10 games or so of the season didn't go so well. Um, they had some very winnable games. I mean, we're talking about losses against Arizona, Anaheim, San Jose, Montreal. Montreal. Uh, so, some tough losses there. What? Uh, obviously we're past it. The record is what it is um, moving forward. I mean, the teams are going to lose games throughout the course of the year. What would you attribute that slow start to? I mean, are the guys kind of on cruise control? Just because, uh, as a fan, I'm sitting here thinking, "Wake me up when round two begins,"
2: because I'm fucking sick of doing this every single well, year. Well, everyone's but, wondering, "Oh, is it coach problem? This problem?" They're like, "We had to hear every possible theory in the first month of the season." Right. Oh
0: yeah, I got my taste of uh, <clears throat> the Leafs, uh, the Leafs nation from the Twitter side of things. I just got on Twitter when I started this job, so I'm pretty green to it, and I was just looking at like. <laughs> the sky was falling they wanted to bring it down to its foundation and rebuild i'm like holy fuck man this is just kind of a bad road trip is all it was but i believe that in the uh as much as everyone's got good intentions to do well and everything at the beginning of the year it's like everyone's kind of jockeying for position trying to feel things oh maybe you implement some new systems um a neutral zone four check uh, uh an ozone four check or a new d zone t- style of setup and you're kind of everyone's kind of finicking around trying to get used to it and getting used to each other and jockeying for positions and feeling each other out. It's kind of a recipe to, to drop some games, but on the flip side, everyone in the league is doing that, right? Getting, Mm -hmm. getting comfortable with the new team. So there's not much you can say about it. It's just, it's, it's that team game where it's very much relied on chemistry and, and momentum. And if you don't have one of those things that around and, and hangs out for a while, you're going to have a bad week. Right. But, uh, it is kind of interesting how the, the Leafs keep repeating themselves with their Octobers and Novembers here.
1: Right on. Um, okay, what about the defense, Jay? Um, you get all these top D men going down for the Leafs, and everyone thinks, okay, that's going to be the end of it. Um, uh, au contraire. They come back. Uh, defensive formation is fantastic. Um, how much of that is credited to a guy like Sheldon Keefe, who is... Been with the team for a long enough period of time now that he's been able to really put his fingerprints on this organization.
0: Yeah, I think it says a lot about um, the organization as a whole. You know, um, the coaching staff down in the Marlies, uh, the scouts, and the way they draft for what they need, and they're actually developing players where you can go deep. You don't just have that one guy waiting in the wings who can help you out if you need be. They've proven that they've got several people they can they can call up and, and can actually. Not just fill a spot with a warm body, but actually be effective and like hold your weight, and not be a liability out there. Um, I didn't see that coming when I saw the amount of injuries that are going on and the the, the revolving door of of guys up from the Marlies. It's just it's just too hard to compete like that. But you got to give credit to them. Um, they've been standing in there and they haven't looked out of place and they just keep chugging along, getting points like crazy. So um, I, I attribute a lot of it to like Mark Giordano, like the veteran presence that he has. He is so So solid back there. Um, He's got the pedigree. He's been around long enough. I think all the guys respect the hell out of him. And he's not this $10 million, I'm better than everyone else defenseman. He's making what these guys in the Marlies coming up are making. Right. I just think there's a a big respect factor there. And all those guys have banded together because they've definitely gone through some shit so far this year.
1: Yeah, the boys have gone through lots. I mean, obviously, we talked about the, the tough start to the season injuries to their goaltenders. A guy like Eric Shalgren is thrust into a starter's position. I mean, I'm rostering the guy in fantasy. Like, I didn't think I'd be, I didn't think I'd be there with, you know, Shesterkin, Freddie Anderson, and I picked up Samsonov. I thought he'll get some starts. Of course, you know, Freddie down early, Shesterkin, bit of a pedestrian start to the year. Samsonov Dude. going down. There I am rostering Eric Shalgren. But uh, Lesko um, and I talked about it before we brought you on. We thought Eric Shalgren did a really good job answering that call.
0: Yeah, big time, man. I mean, keep in mind, he's he's the fourth-string goalie. I don't think he had on his radar here over the last year that he's going to be put in this position anytime soon. And, I mean, you just can't hide from it in that market. When things like that happen, there is just this cloud over you that expectations and pressure and performance anxiety, like, you got to be ready. And, I mean, there's no bigger example of that than the goaltender of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And this kid gets chucked in there and, it's sink or swim and he, they're part of their season relies on him and that's it, after not the best start also. And, um, it's just kind of, it's really impressive that he's he played as solid as he did there there was only a handful of goals where you say oh i think he wished he had that one back and a lot of other times just big time saves keeping them in games giving them chances to win i thought he did a really wicked job for them and uh i'm sure that was a big confidence builder for uh for him
1: absolutely well listen jay we'll let you wrap up here what do you got a coaching uh you got a coaching gig coming up what's what's the deal
0: yeah, my nine-year-old is going out for U11, so we we're going to coach there, and i uh, got to come up with some kind of practice plan and, and embed it into these young minds.
1: Right on. Molding young minds. Just the type of thing Jay Rosehill is meant to be on this earth for, eh?
2: <laughs> Something like that.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, thanks a lot for, uh, you know, uh, on behalf of my co-host there, Adam. I know he's across the bar. You haven't been able to see him the whole time, but uh, really That's... appreciate you joining us uh, today, Jay. And I think I might have to call this episode The Wrecking Ball for uh, a little bit of a double meaning there uh, but we really appreciate your time tonight Jay uh, keep doing the, what you're doing with uh, uh, Leafs take there with uh, Nick Alberga we, we love every second of it and uh, we'll have to talk to you later on down the road I'm sure.
0: Right on boys thanks for having me keep doing what you're doing appreciate Get it take Thanks,
1: alright man cheers
0: yes.
2: alright well that's Jay Rosehill former Leaf, man, former Flyer. He throw him back in the day, man? He, he could was throw was terrifying him. out there. He could throw him. The Leafs rolled out, like, they didn't just have one of those guys at the time, right? They, like he mentioned, they brought in Colton Ora, they brought in him, and remember, they also brought in that mutant Frazier McLaren, who's like six foot five or I was whatever. just gonna mention McLaren. Yeah, and so, the, no matter what, even if one of those guys got hurt or something, they always had Two of them waiting the wings You're to dress. Right. And listen,
1: the, those, those Leafs teams, okay, they didn't do a ton of winning. All right, let's go. But I will tell you. They did throw down. They threw down, and they were physical. They were a fun team to watch back then yeah, in they the
2: 9 10
1: kind of yeah. era.
2: They, yeah, they were not great, but they were entertaining, we'll say the least. Because you got, you know, Castle put up a goal or two, and then there was like a, you know, at least a couple of fights. At least a couple of fights. Yeah. 32 fights. Listed on, um,
1: what is this site again? Hockey fights. HockeyFights.com. Uh, listed 32 fights, 18 for the Maple Leafs and 14 for the Flyers. And he did a pretty good job of picking the guy that he uh went toe to toe with the most which would be uh, Sean Thornton, so he got that one correct.
2: I oh, thought it was interesting that he mentioned Brian McGrattan because I had seen on his hockey fights page the other day that he'd fought McGrattan and was like that dude is terrifying.
1: Yeah, one one against McGratton. So they go down the list. Thornton is four, Rupper was three, uh, Chris Barch, a couple, Eric Bolton he mentioned, uh, Matt Carkner, you remember Matt Carkner? Oh, yeah. He could throw as yeah. well. Uh, Brian McGratton, he was a monster. Uh, Fraser McLaren, Chris Thorburn, uh, Matt Walker, among others. So, yeah, I mean, he he made a name for himself. It's funny, when you look at his DB page, Lesko, um, for some reason, I thought that he was with the Leafs for a longer time. Now, I think where I was mistaken was that he was with the Maple Leafs organization. Right, right? He was in the Maple Leafs organization for uh 6 years the better yeah. the better part of 6 years um only dressing
2: up for I parts mean, of what, three seasons yeah parts and of three seasons and one of them seasons. being the lockout year i believe as well uh lockout shortened year yeah what is that the 20, or was that 12 13 that's 12 13 that came, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. he was he was with he was philly. gone by that point yeah, yeah, he was
1: with philly by then but you know what i felt like that is a testament to you know the the imprint that he left on the on the team and on Leaf fans. Like for example, a buddy of mine just came over just about ten or fifteen minutes before you got here. Um, he just popped in to 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 say hi, and I said, "Yeah, I, I can't I can't have a beer with you, man." He's my neighbor. eh? I said, "I can't have a beer with you, man." We're we're recording the podcast in like fifteen minutes. I got to kick you out of here. <laughs> he said, "Oh, cool. Do you have anyone on tonight?" I said, "Yeah, we got Jay Rosehill on." He goes. Oh no, fucking way! I love Jay Roseville. I right? like he, he's a big Leaf fan as well. That's himself.
2: the thing is we we remember these guys, we remember especially those guys. guys who made their mark. Like, and you remember more than like Bates McTaggerty or fucking, yeah. you know, some guy who who put in a few goals playing fourth line minutes or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. Fun. Like
1: you're thinking like, you know, you, you have to
2: be a, a pretty big
1: hockey fan in general or a big Leaf fan to remember the name Jay Rosehill, but that's really not the case because a guy like Rosehill did a really good job of of leaving his mark on the organization and by all accounts, sounded like he really enjoyed his time um, in the Maple Leafs organization. How about that Kessel story? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. That was
2: a fucking... That's a that's a good one. Right? So yeah, you can follow him on Twitter at j underscore d underscore Rosehill. Um, check out Leafs Morning Take at theleafsnation.com. Uh, you can get it on their on the Nation Network's YouTube channel or wherever you get this podcast. Um, moving on, we got to hit the Hall of Fame weekend. Which was incredible, yes, for a number of reasons. Maple Leafs winning a couple games being one of them, Um, and uh, and the unfortunate passing of Maple Leafs legend Bore Salming. Um, So many crazy like emotions and stuff going on here. Like that whole scene at the Hall of Fame with him coming out and apparently him telling the guys like four months before, like I'm going to be there, and he made it there. And this guy's in a wheelchair. Except for the time he's on the ice. Other than that, he's in a wheelchair all the time. So the fact that they got him across the ocean, you know, in there for that special moment with his former teammates and fellow Hall of Famers was pretty damn incredible. Like, not a dry eye in the house. Yeah, it
1: was incredible, man. I'm not usually one for... You know, oh, I got to... The pregame ceremony. Yeah, I got to uh, rush out. I got to rush out and, and, and watch the pregame. Like, I'm kind of a puck drop guy. Mm-hmm. You know, the game is at 7, which means the puck drop is more like... I, I might know, not 7-11. look up from my
2: phone until the pucks drop. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Right?
1: But honest to God, man, like, I, I came out here for that. And I'm, I'm not talking about the actual induction ceremony. I'm talking about um the, the pregame ceremony when like Sittler was there, mm-hmm. Lanny was there, and you know, Sittler with the tears flowing was just I mean, you couldn't find a more emotional atmosphere. Like mm-hmm. you said, not a dry eye in the house. But it was strange. It was like it wasn't like a sad pity,
2: you know, oh look well, at poor Boria. Like well kind that's the thing, difference you know? there, right? That he got this we got to do this before he passed. And it's crazy that he passed only a couple of short weeks later. Right. But you see so many times, right? And you can't help but think like, oh, wouldn't this have been lovely if they were here? You know? Yes, of so course. So it's amazing that he got that moment because I, I know what you mean. Like that, that, that feeling is kind of weird in a sense. Yeah,
1: like sometimes you're you're almost pitiful for the person mm-hmm. given, you know, the the struggles that he or she is going through in their lives. But in this moment, it was, it was anything but pitiful. It was mm-hmm. like just a, a, a purely emotional, heartfelt opportunity. Like, I don't mean to make it sound like uh, morbid or anything, Lesko, but it was almost like a a perfect opportunity to say
2: goodbye. It And I think people knew that. It was it was unspoken in a, in a way because yeah. it's not uncommon for people with ALS diagnosis to die quite quickly at thereafter. It doesn't take much of anything right. to knock you down, so I feel like like I knew it when seeing him like this. He's not come. He'll he won't be back. You know, as 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 morbid or dark as that may be. Yeah, I think it was pretty understood. And it was really nice to hear, like, his wife had told, I guess, Sittler after, that it was the, he said it's the happiest he's been yeah, since yeah. receiving his diagnosis back in July.
1: And they even took him over to old Maple Leaf Gardens, Eight. Eh? That's see, right. Did you yeah. see the picture online? I they thought did. that was awesome, too. Yeah, man.
2: yeah. The boys took him out there, and it was, it was pretty special. And I have, like, a weird, like, emotional attachment to, to a player that I'd never even seen play. Right. And it's because of my parents. So my parents... Like, I basically exist because of Boris Salming. Put it that way. Okay. Because, it, the, because the first ever Swede breakout in the NHL, like, for whatever reason, strikes a a, a resemblance to my father. Okay. And especially at the time. They're similar age. And my mom is in a downtown Toronto bar. They haven't even met. And her and her friends think that my dad looks like Boris Salming. And that's how my fucking parents met. Oh my goodness, really? My mom went up to my dad because she thought he was. And said fucking you look Bore. like Boris. Or she thought, she thought he was, was? Boris Salman. No way. Yeah. So I owe my life apparently to uh, to Boris Salming. Wow. So what it, a connection! It but. just and then he was a you know my parents were both big fans of him. Always talked about him and stuff, and so that that whole moment hit me in a, just a whole different way, and. Obviously, the similarities—the the disease that Boris went through is strikingly similar to what we endured with my father and everything. Right. And um, like it was, it was crazy to see him, like just the the look of him, because I saw it before. And that, the emotional outbursts, like, because that's part of it too. It's the same sort of thing—you can't control your your uh, your crying or your, your your, you know. I've seen all what he what he was doing yeah. already. Yeah, so they yeah. was just a whole, it was a whole thing anyway. So I'm glad that all that happened. And I definitely, I was hard, it was hard to watch, but I was like, no, I want to watch it. Knowing it was going to be hard and it was going to be upsetting. Yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: And I mean, for, I can, I can really respect that man on your side. Like for me, when I was saying earlier about how I came out here to make sure I watched the pre-gamer and it was like the first time I've, done that in in forever there's never been a reason for me to be like Mm -hmm. no no I have to be out there at seven o'clock because of the pregame ceremony but I I came out here at seven o'clock and I'm I'm telling you right now man like there was tears in my eyes and I was just Mm -hmm. sitting out here alone you know just watching it because I thought it was I don't know it was just such a fitting way and and the Maple Leafs I feel like they don't do that overly well for a franchise that's been around for as long as they have. And I look to the Montreal Canadiens. Right, the way they honor the past. Oh, man, do Mm -hmm. they ever honor the past. And that
2: was a big thing that Shanny talked about when he took over the team, was properly honoring the past, giving the dues because the old regimes didn't believe in that. They didn't believe in this and Harold Ballard and all that bullshit, right? Right. So I I really appreciate that about Shanny, and I think this is just another example of them doing that right. Another kind of personal tie into this story is um I I ironically too I recently started using my dad's old iPad and like hooked in my old whatever Apple account and I haven't used it in years, I haven't had an iPhone six, seven years or something. Right. But then it puts all your photos that you had previously like in your iPhotos or whatever and it just starts like on the home screen it'll just put them up every time you open it. Just oh, random yeah. photos and stuff. And there's a photo of my wife and I at the game uh, back in 20, I don't know, 15, 16, something like that. Okay. And there she is on Legend Row with her arm around Borea, Borea? Oh, We nice. probably didn't realize at the time. We were just probably hammered walking out of there being like, <laughs> oh, look, Legend <laughs> Row. Paley <laughs> Hayley jumps up on there. She's like, oh, I'm Legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, just, yeah. So this is a funny little thing that happened right I think it was right after the Hall of Fame weekend. I just popped up on my computer screen and a photo I hadn't seen in forever cuz it was backed up on a friggin' Apple account. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Was,
1: yeah, you're never going to see it on your uh, on your Android that's phone right, or whatever. That's right. That's right. And unless you unless you're still doing the old school way of transferring yeah. your photos manually. onto your onto your uh, computer yeah. manually. Yeah, that's right. You would have never seen that again. So, you know, almost a, a fitting way for something that, you know, your your dad owned um you know, transferring over to yourself and then almost just like a little a little light going off saying hey oh, check out man. this photo you know like I'm not one for all this you know fate and destiny and all that stuff but yeah. sometimes things like that can can really pull on the
2: old heartstrings yeah it's it's really weird and my mom even mentioned recently when we talked about it because obviously we had to talk about it she said yeah she's like people would bring me like pictures from the newspaper all the time and like say like it looks like Randy and shit like that so I, I gotta go and maybe what I'll do is I'll dig up some photos and see if I can like put them similar age Photos together from yeah. him in the 70s, there and put it together. But uh, man, what a hockey player. And, you know, almost one of those ones that hear so many great things about not just that he was a trailblazer and all that mm-hmm. for the European players, but just the way he played the game. The ultimate warrior, you know. The They always see that picture of him with, what, like 40 stitches yeah. in, his fore- in his face or whatever. Skating around. And just insane guy. And um, an interesting. Interesting moment, and and I think something the Leafs can at least be proud of. You know those uh, those patches they put out that little patch. Oh, so it's so clean. beautiful, so what fresh, nice design and. On that reverse retro jersey, which is unfortunate that that was apparently the last time they're going to wear them this year, which I can't understand oh. because I love that jersey and the patch too. And the patch too, the patch is gone. Oh, that's too bad, man. Yeah. They should
1: have it on for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, so they t- they took the patch off, and so they auctioned those jerseys right for ALS Canada. Okay. Um, back on uh, was it after Saturday's game? I think it was. Like the and game warrants. The game warrants, right? Cool. So during the game, I just popped on the auction, just curious, like how much are these things going for, right? Yeah. And at the time, this is like maybe through the second period, Mitch's and Matthew's were in the $6,000 already. Wow. Um, I think Taveras and Mo were like over 1000 And I think the lowest maybe was like Kyle Clifford or something for like 650 Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So like they all had bids and uh, I actually got the numbers right here. I'm going to pull them up really quick of what they actually ended up going the for. The final sale? The final sale. Dude, so. I'm telling you right now, man, I wish I had money. <laughs> for like this I, type of shit, Yeah, <laughs> like I
1: wish I had fuck-off money. Right. Um, I, I would probably do a lot of other things than buy these jerseys and waste all my fuck-off
2: money, but I would love to have it to be Just able to... Have to have the option to buy the op, Yeah, the option. Yeah. That's it. Because even probably, you know, even buying Wayne Simmons' jersey probably cost you a few grand or something, yeah. you know, like especially a local Toronto guy. So, anyway, Marner breaks the, or ties the point streak record in that game. Oh. So, the jersey obviously becomes, I would say, automatically the most valuable of the bunch. Right. Oh, know? yeah, because he was wearing it while he – The 18th game. And, I mean, these guys are just getting started career-wise, so – it's an investment, I guess, in yes, a way. Yes. Absolutely. So, Mariners jersey goes for thirty-seven thousand. Thirty-seven thousand. Yep. Matthews goes for twenty-four, and then oh. Tavares went for thirteen. I don't know what Willie's went for. I, I'm curious, actually. It's not on the. I just made notes. Wow, of the thirty-seven thousand. Yeah. So they raised a bunch of money for ALS Canada. Um, That's awesome. Personally, I bought a sweater. I don't know if you saw me tweet out the picture the other day. Um, oh, yeah.
1: Merry Christmas to me. Yeah. 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 I so I that, bought
2: yeah. um, uh, a sweater from a guy's store at um, Joey Ferg on Twitter. Um, does some unreal shirts. He's got some cool Nylander and Matthews ones, his own designs. But he did a Borea one. Beautiful design. It says the king on the it. King, in big yeah. letters um not bought a nice blue crew crew neck uh, off his uh off his website so if you check out his profile click on the link he's donating all the proceeds to als canada oh, cool i think he announced like last week he'd sold like 500 already so and it's, it's licensed it's not licensed gear it's, it's, it's his own designs right so nothing with a, nothing with a logo on it, it, doesn't, oh. it doesn't have the leafs logo on it oh right,
1: right. okay he's okay.
2: got uh, he's got another sick one it's like uh a, it's a um a, i guess like a based on the Mario 3 cover, but it's Pappy 34 instead of Mario 3. And he's got him like it it basically Matthews and like his gear in the Mario cartoon <laughs> style, I okay, guess. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Interesting. So. What is that
1: again? Give it to our listeners one more
2: time. It's at Joey Ferg, F E R G on Twitter. I believe so. J O E Y. J O E Y. Yeah. You got ch- Joey Ferg. Check out the guy's gear. He's legit.
1: Cool. I'm going to have to look at that as well. I love things like that, man. Like as much as I enjoy getting licensed gear and, and stuff like that, I love the opportunity to pick up, you know, something that's, um, maybe like a novelty, you know? Right. Like I bought that I bought that Leaf shirt from Barstool a while ago. It's the Leaf logo, but it says Absolute Wagon. Right, right. You know, I. it's just I don't really tend to do it a whole lot, but sometimes things catch my eye and I go, you know what? I am going to fucking buy this. So
2: I'm going to have to check that out for sure. There's so like many things like that. like that out there. But, yeah, it's a good way for, you know, artists to make money, I guess, so you can upload your designs to these, you know, shirt. Manufacturing companies and place the orders and makes it easy for them. So, right, I, I, I was eyeing up some of his designs, and I'm always looking at stuff like that. Like it comes in your feed and stuff, and I'm not much of a, a impulse buyer and shopper because I'm cheap as fuck. But <laughs> uh, I said Merry Christmas to myself, and that was that. So I
1: did see that. That was actually a really nice looking shirt. So I'm gonna have to check that yeah. out and implore our listeners to check that out as well.
2: Um, All right, my man well you ready to wrap or what yes sir that was an enjoyable episode great to get back in the chair Um, I don't won't make any promises but I think we'll shoot for one more at least before Christmas
1: yeah 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 we got another uh, exciting guest uh, coming up as well that's right yeah we won't uh, we won't spoil it but maybe we'll give the listeners a a bit of a hint it's uh, it's a writer for The Athletic okay I mean, paid subscription, right? So, he's verified on Twitter, knows a lot about the Ottawa Senators. Oh yes, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, All respectively. Right. So, we're gonna have a good time chatting with that guest. But yeah, what a what a great call with uh, Jay Rosa. I knew I knew tonight was gonna be a great time, man. Like just from watching the the first take. Um, episodes with him and
2: Nick Alberga, like oh yeah, you called it first take, and it, that's oh, it's Leafs take. It's uh, no, it's uh, morning Leafs take. morning take. Oh whatever, I think it <laughs> sounds like you you blended it with what's the TSN show first up? Oh first up, yeah okay. So we got that's what we got to do at the end of the episodes is call each other out on our fuck ups. On our fuck ups. Yeah, that's okay. what, when the music comes on, that's when you get to air your gripes. Like if you catch mistakes, that's your opportunity. You fucked up, bud. Yeah. You fucked exactly. up. You blew it.
1: You blew it. All right. Well, yeah. It was a great chat with Jay Rosehill. I knew it was going to be fun, man. Um, that guy likes to likes to chat. Likes to drop a few uh, f-bombs and Yeah. Some, you know.
2: Great great on the show. Uh, great on Leaf's Morning Take. Um, Leaf's Morning Take. And, uh, yeah, I mean, keep uh, keep an eye on him, man. He he's, sounds like he's cut out for this kind of I stuff. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I didn't want to offend him when I said, well, you know, sometimes you don't know
1: what you're getting with with a former player. But it's the truth of the matter. You're like, well, how good is this guy going to be? Anyways, that's it for Episode 102, folks. Follow us on Twitter at Coleman42, at Lesko Adam. Thanks for tuning in. The wrecking ball. <laughs> it's over. We'll see you guys soon for Episode 103.